Hello, and welcome to Grow With Soul. I'm Kate Ferris, a coach, writer, hiker, and recovering high achiever, and this is a work in life podcast. Join me for discussions and musings about how our work can be a small and magical part of a bigger, more meaningful life. So come on in, get comfy, and let's begin. Hello, and welcome to Grow a Soul. Today's episode is four kind of little pep talks on four of the things that become bad habits in our work. They are all things that I have done and all things that people I've worked with have done too. And this might not be what you expect and it's certainly not meant in a kind of shamey way. These are just the grooves that we slip into in our work that even serve us for a time, but which eventually stop us having a happier, calmer work life. So I'll talk about overcommitting yourself, sticking to the plan, following the rules and making things mean something. There are lots of fun stories as well as practical next steps in here. So let's get going. So we'll start with overcommitting. This is number one. This is the problem that connects all the clients I've worked with who feel like they have no room for themselves in their work. It's saying yes to everything, making impossible deadlines, making things available to buy and then dealing with the fallout later. It's draining time, energy and money on things that they're never going to see a return on. So perhaps that's agreeing to speak on something and it's an unpaid thing and it takes you out of your normal work for three days plus the time you have to prepare the thing and you know it's not going to give you really an exposure to the right customer. Perhaps it is promising for a cause to be ready in less time than it's physically possible for you to make it. Perhaps it's saying you can definitely supply 200 units even though you've never actually made 200 units before. I think there are two main reasons we overcommit. One is that we get so excited about our work and we love being asked to do things and we have so many ideas and we just want to do them all right now and then we say yes, yes, yes and then drown. The second reason is fear. Fear that if we don't do this one thing then the business will fall apart that we can't turn money away even though it's going to be a customer service disaster and probably cost money in the end, that we won't get any other opportunities ever again, so we have to do this one. Underpinning both of these is the sense that this is just what business is. This is how you know you're doing it when you're so scattered because you've just lost control of your deadlines, when your calendar is full, when you're sacrificing, when you don't know how you're going to cope. We know we're working hard when it feels hard and that's how we know we're doing it right. 
which, you know, sounds like a lovely life. <laughs> the thing with overcommitting is that it has absolutely no respect for future you. That you have no respect for future you. You are busy making all these decisions and taking obligations that is going to give future you a nervous breakdown, you know, really generally cause them a burnout. So this is how we start to break this habit. We start to make decisions with our future selves. We take a beat before saying yes. You know, I will have to check my calendar and get back to you. You really can say that. And then you do check your calendar and you think about the version of you six weeks from now and you think, with everything I know she's going to have to deal with, plus all the things I don't know but will certainly come up in that time, is this thing going to make her life worse? Here is a very small but real example of considering your future self. When I first sat down to write this episode, I wasn't feeling it. I spent two hours typing and deleting and opening other tabs. I was also PMSing, which is never my best time for diving into creative work. So I was going to give up on the day. And then I thought about the future self who was going to have extra things on her plate over the next already very busy couple of weeks. So rather than leave altogether, I outlined all of the podcasts and blog posts I had to make that month. Just a little favour to my future self because although she would have more content to make, at least a lot of the initial thinking had been done for her. Okay, number two of habits to break is sticking to the plan. So wait, what? <laughs> Aren't plans good? Aren't we supposed to stick to the plan? Well, yes. And also, no. Plans are great for getting us going and holding us steady. They give us a place to start from and some milestones to head for. And along the way, they keep us confident and feeling held by the sensible plan that makes a lot of sense. But if we only stick to the plan, then we are too rigid, too brittle and miss the whole point. This is because plans are theoretical. You know, you sat there in your little chair and you typed up or you drew out a plan that while based on real evidence, you essentially imagined. You thought it up to the best of your ability, to the best of your knowledge. But once you actually start, your ability and your knowledge changes. You can't really know what the right things to do will be until you've started doing them. Once you're in motion with the work, the gap between the plan and reality widens. Perhaps the early steps didn't go the way you'd expected. Perhaps someone asked a really pertinent question. Perhaps what you planned is too much work or not enough. We get torn between following the plan and following what's actually happening. And if you just follow the plan, 
it might take you further away from reality. I've always said that a plan should be a safety net, not a straitjacket. It is there to bounce you back up when a risk doesn't pay off or hand you a pre-planned content idea when you've run out of things to say or remind you of the options you've got when you can't see the wood for the trees. It's not there to bind you and hold you down and remove you from the experience of what's really happening. So loosen your grip on the plan. The plan isn't a map that's going to show you exactly how to get somewhere. It's more like a list of suggestions that might help you with life on the road. Allow yourself to be responsive, be creative, do the thing that feels exciting, check in with the plan like an excited dog running back to its owner at the beach. The plan is not the boss of you. Following the rules. This is number three. There isn't one set of rules. We all have a different set of rules according to what podcasts we listened to and what courses we did and who we followed early on in our journeys. If this podcast was one of yours, you you might have a set of rules picked up from me. But generally we are either explicitly told rules or we cobble them together from advice that isn't exactly a rule but also sounds a lot like one. And rules can be useful when we're starting out because it gives us a baseline to start operating from when we've got literally no idea. They can make us feel comfortable and can give us just enough know-how to give us just enough confidence to go and do it. So the rules can work for a little while, until they stop working, until they start to stymie your creativity and your ability to work in alignment. My rules were mostly around Instagram because in the early days I invested heavily in research around Instagram growth because while it was easy to see Instagram growth as something that meant something about the business, During this, I picked up explicit and non-explicit rules that did generate growth. I posted daily for about two years. I spent at least one hour engaging in hashtags after each post. I planned and replanned the look of the grid. I stuck rigidly to my colour palette, never posting anything with the blue sky. I've spent several hours a month turning my house upside down as I styled flat lays and photos. For a long while I did enjoy this, especially the styling and photographing part. And then I just started to not enjoy it. I dreaded the hour I had to spend engaging after posting, so I started posting this. I felt hemmed in by my colours and signature style, so I started posting less. I couldn't get the grid to sit nicely together with what I wanted to say and when, so I started posting less. I began to get bored of the styling sessions and repeating the same old formulas and getting the same old photo at the end, so I started posting less. I think during 
2021 I was maybe posting once a month because although I didn't want to be following the rules anymore I didn't think I was allowed to stop following them so I did neither of those things and I just didn't post but not posting meant that I wasn't sharing wasn't being present wasn't promoting my business in any way so either the rules had to go or the work Breaking this habit took curiosity. The hold of the rules is strong, especially because they are what has always worked and you are fearful that if you go against them, everything will collapse in on you and then it's all over. So I started by being curious. What would it be like to post a screenshot of a blog post? What kind of reel could I do? What if I posted just this once and then closed the app? What if I posted two similar pictures close to each other in the grid? The curiosity was also around what if I changed what my expectations of this platform were? Instagram is always changing and it's just not high growth for me anymore. I also don't want it to be high growth because I don't want to have to do the things high growth would take. I'd rather have growth on this podcast, growth on my email list. So when I decided that Instagram was a place to be present, share my daily mess and kind of make it a notice board of cool quotes and things that were happening, I was able to let go of those rules. I remember the first time that I posted two similar pictures next to each other. So I'd had my planning app and I put one picture into the planning app and I just thought, oh, that's so annoying. I can't post that today. I'll have to find something different and post this one another day. And then this like warm golden realization came through my body of like, wait, I don't care about that anymore. I can post that because I want to. And it was liberating. Okay, number four. Our final habit is making it mean something. We always want to make things mean something. And this is human nature, of course. The way the stars have stories and we see faces in clouds. Even if you are not religious or spiritual, it is by now written in our cells that we look for a reason to make sense of the flailing randomness of life. The trouble is, we quite often make things mean something bad. More specifically, mean that we are bad. Let's say you can't concentrate. You've already been sat at the desk for half an hour and you've been looking out the window, you've been picking up your phone, you've been opening and closing your inbox like it's a kind of jack-in-the-box on your screen. And, you know, just like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you so lazy? Why can't you be productive like everyone else? This is why you're never going to make it. That's the meaning we tend to jump to. But there are other possible meanings. You haven't eaten breakfast and your brain needs food to have the energy to concentrate. 
or you are very tired and need a nap or just a little break before you start this work. You are at a low point in your hormonal cycle. You have something big and stressful going on in your life outside of work, which maybe is impacting you because you're the same human. Or you need a little time for your brain, body and energy to kind of converge at the same place before you can start properly working in a focused way. Any and all of those might be true. And may I say, are a million times more likely than you are a lazy, unproductive failure who is a drain on society. Things don't mean anything unless you make them mean something. Things are just neutral, just happening, just atoms bouncing around. Choose what you make them mean. You can choose anything, so choose something that helps you. Do a body scan and realise, yeah, you know what, I think I would feel better if I nourished my body and actually ate something given that I haven't in 12 hours. Decide that this is probably your parents' poor health or the stress of your house move and maybe it's okay if today's a little slower or you switch to a more manageable task. Maybe you say, I'm not lazy, I just haven't arrived yet. This is part of the process for me to sit with until I get there. So, those are our four habits that are a little bit unexpected, but are also the things to start trying to break down in order to have a more pleasurable, a calmer, a happier working life. If you are really interested in your working process and making that a more pleasurable, beautiful thing, then if you go to simplerseason.com forward slash process, you might find something there that takes your fancy. Otherwise, the show notes and the full transcript of this episode can be found at simpleinseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at simpleinseason. If you have a friend who would really enjoy this episode, then please do share the link and share your favourite bits online too. And until next time, I hope you grow a song.